This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell, yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. Welcome to Top Rope Nation, a weekly podcast that tries to make sense of this crazy world that is pro wrestling. If you're tuning in on YouTube, guys, hit that subscribe button, mash the like button. It would help us more than you know if you're listening on one of the various podcasting platforms, whether it's iTunes, uh, we are on TuneIn Radio, Spotify, pretty much everywhere. Likewise, hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating. We'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, we think tonight we're going to have a little bit bigger audience than usual due to one of our guests we have joining us here tonight, which we will get to in, in just a minute. But we'd love to have you back. So if you've never tuned in to Top Rope Nation before, it's a weekly podcast. We usually put this thing out on Friday mornings uh, and get you all set for the weekend talking all things pro wrestling. So with that being said, my name is Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com, and I am your usual host here of Top Rope Nation. Normally, I have two guys joining us. One of them's out sick, so Justin Joint feel better soon but i am joined by my other trusty sidekick mr kyle ross out there in chile cleveland ohio kyle what's going on tonight everything you say is right right <laughs> everything i say is right that that's a call back to an off-the-air conversation we were just having about kyle's contrarian takes always trying to get the better of me here on top rope nation <laughs> no seriously kyle how's it going it's been freezing here in the upper midwest and the midwest uh getting out of the house much these days um, I did, although it does not look like it, I did go to the gym yesterday. Other than that, no, I have not been outside the house in two days. I got outside the house for the very first time today since Sunday because it's been like negative 50 degrees wind chill here in Iowa pretty much all week long, as you guys have probably been hearing on the news. The whole Midwest is arctic blast right now that's cold think, if you don't follow the weather yeah it's it's really it's way colder than usual but um i think our guest joining us here tonight is probably a lot wiser than me and you kyle because i think he's in a lot better weather much warmer climate um he's an emmy award-winning broadcaster happens to have a very popular youtube channel which has a big focus on pro wrestling uh, of late, he's been working with Cricket Wireless, traveling the country with uh, WWE, interviewing some of the biggest names in the business. So we're really excited to have Mr. Chris Van Vliet with us here on Top Rope Nation. What's going on, Chris? Ryan, Kyle, thanks for having me on. And yes, it is uh, it is much warmer here uh, versus there. But I, I want to say, I am Canadian. I am from Toronto. I lived in Cleveland before moving to Florida. So I have so much empathy for you guys. I'm sorry. It <laughs> oh, was... No. 
I was quote unquote cold here this morning because it was 55 degrees. Oh man. <laughs> well, you know what we're going through though. As Bill Clinton once said, you feel our pain. You know what's going down here. <laughs> I feel I do. I feel your pain. And um, I've been living here now for four years. Uh, and I will say that I'm very glad to get away from the cold in the winter, but I can empathize with you guys. I know what you're going through. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be 45 here on Sunday. It's a swing of like almost 80 degrees, which is oh, so you're good. crazy. Crazy. You're good. <laughs> yeah, hopefully all the snow, we get we get rid of some of it on Sunday. Yeah. But uh, no, you were just in a, a really warm climate. You were in the middle of the desert last weekend, Chris. You went to the Rumble in Phoenix. And how was that trip for you? Yeah, that was incredible. I was there for four-ish days. Got there Thursday. Uh, we did some stuff with Charlotte Flair on Friday. I hosted a live stream with Sasha Banks and Bailey on Saturday, did some other interviews at Access, and then uh, went to the Rumble on uh, Sunday. I actually, so I had tickets to NXT, um, and I, then I ended up, I was texting with Dolph Ziggler, and he said, hey, if you want to do an interview, why don't you come by my house right now? And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, the, the original plan was Dolph Ziggler was going to interview me. I've done like 15 interviews with him. He's such a great guy, but he has so much going on right now with his contract talks and everything else. I said, you know, I know you were going to interview me and it was going to be fun, but I, I need to talk to you and figure out what's going on. And I don't know if you've seen the interview, but he says he's on a hiatus from WWE. He told me he wasn't going to be at the Rumble. Yeah, I and saw then he that. showed up at number 28. <laughs> what um, a worker. <laughs> I, I honestly, I mean... Maybe he worked us. I don't know, but I would have to think that he didn't actually have any plans to be in the Rumble. I think that he was just planning to do his comedy show that night. And uh, I'm like, "Well, you're going to be on Raw, right?" He's like, "Oh, actually, I'm flying to California on Monday, so that's not happening." Wow. Yeah, I, I did see. I saw your interview with him, and then when he showed up in the Rumble, I was I was kind of surprised. But uh, yeah. I I did I checked out the uh, the Bailey Sasha Banks segment that you did too, where you did kind of like the newlywed game with him. That was pretty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, when you're when you're doing an interview with uh, you know a, a corporate company like that, and they've got a WWE person standing off to the side, basically like <laughs> nodding or shaking their head at your questions, they had to stay. Actually, I, every question for that interview had to be completely pre-approved. So it was fun, but we couldn't touch on any of the stuff that I think would be interesting, like you know, like the wardrobe malfunction that Sasha <laughs> had a couple weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they keep they run a pretty tight ship there with those kinds of things. That's yeah, I've heard. what a trip that is, man! Some guy <laughs> just looking over your shoulder, just nodding. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, uh, no, no, cut it out, man. Yeah, like, and they they don't like when uh, you go straight to the wrestlers or sorry, the superstar. I can't even call them wrestlers if we're talking about WWE. Uh, <laughs> they don't like when you go straight to the talent and ask them for an interview. They want you to go to the the PR person first. Who then goes to the talent to then goes back to the PR person then goes back to you. So Ooh. they don't like, uh, they don't like when you skirt around them like that. Yeah. Was Dean Ambrose. Are you thinking of leaving an approved question on Sunday night? <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been good. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I got to wonder if that's a work. I mean, I can't think of another situation in at least my history of watching wrestling where WWE has come out three, four months ahead of time and said, yep, this person's leaving. It just mm -hmm. doesn't seem to make sense to me. A lot of people are talking about that. Yeah, we're going to get to that later on because it's uh, it is an interesting question. Is this real? Is it not? Um, WWE has been a lot more open with the media in the last couple of years than they used to be. Yes. Um, so but there is still that. Yeah, they've never really done that before. So 
<laughs> I, and I, I think know. that maybe if they say it on their website, they're getting out ahead of it in front of the dirt sheets. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's their reasoning, but it just seems a little strange that they're this open to it instead of not commenting at all. Right. Especially with like such a big name too, who's got time left. And especially with all this talk about AEW and it, it times out well that he would show up uh, maybe for their first show, perhaps for whatever they have going on after that. I don't know. It's, I guess we'll find out in the next couple of months, but it just seems strange. Yeah, a little strange. I agree. Um, Chris, we did want to talk a little bit about you before we get back to Dean Ambrose, because uh, like I said, you have a pretty popular YouTube channel. You know, people know of you here in the wrestling community. You've got a big following on Twitter, Instagram. And, uh, you know, on your own channel, you don't talk about yourself too much because that would be a little awkward. So I wanted to ask you about yourself a little bit because some of your fans, obviously, that tune into the, all the videos you post on YouTube, you know, they're, they're tuning in to hear about you a little bit. So what's your history with wrestling? You said you're from Canada. You know, how did you become a fan? How did you get involved in the wrestling industry with making the videos and the YouTube channel? Just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and, and, and to your original point there, no one's tuning into any of my interviews to hear me talk. So that's why I, I keep my talking as minimal as possible in those interviews. But yeah, I've been a wrestling fan my whole life, like you guys, I'm sure, like everyone else is watching this. I remember watching at my grandfather's house. Uh, it would be like Saturday morning and wrestling would come on and I'd be wrestling a pillow or something like that, like every other kid does. Um, and then the Attitude Era, man, that just got me hooked. I was in high school at the time, 15, 16, 17 years old. During the Attitude Era, I was on the high school wrestling team. And I remember like I remember like trying to give guys pedigrees during the middle of like amateur wrestling matches because I was so into it. I, I was a backyard wrestler. Uh, my backyard wrestling name was Chris Sharp. Uh, I did the Swanton Bomb as a finisher. <laughs> and, and Are you a backyard wrestler, by the way? No, What's but that? I'm saying that no, I was not. But I'm I was going to tell Chris the pedigree is one hell of a move to do an amateur because <laughs> as we know, no one gets up from the pedigree. Well, it's <laughs> also highly yeah. illegal. In yeah, amateur wrestling. I, I believe the law says you have to lay down for at least five minutes after being hit with one pedigree. So, <laughs> so I, but it was my goal. I wanted to be a I wanted to be a pro wrestler, and I actually went to a wrestling school in Toronto. Um, there was uh, Rob Fuego was the guy that was. Uh, uh, he was El Fuego in WWE for a little while. Uh, um, uh, Angel Williams was there and Tracy Brooks was training there at the time when I was there. And it was just tough. Like I was in college and commuting an hour each way to go to wrestling school. And it was like, I, I got to decide what's more important here, getting an education or being a pro wrestler. And it's also $250 a month, which when you're in college, that's a lot of drinking money. Like yeah, a ton yeah. of drinking money. <laughs> so, uh, so I had to make the decision, and the decision was I would, you know, I was going to focus on school. I actually went to Eric Young's wrestling school for a little while too. And my first day at Eric Young's wrestling school, which was only like half an hour from my college, a dude broke his arm, and Eric's like, "This doesn't, this doesn't happen all the time. You got to understand, this was, this was an accident." And I'm like, "No, I." I get it. I completely get it. So that was that was it for me. Like I really wanted to get into. Uh, I wanted to be a pro wrestler, and I, I watched everything. I watched Monday Night Raw would repeat on Tuesday, and I would rewatch that. And I watched Thunder and SmackDown and Nitro and uh, ECW and, and Metal and Jacked and Heat. I watched everything, and I would tape it and I would rewatch it. I was a crazy fan like that. Uh, and then when I got into broadcasting and kind of chased after that goal. I had the opportunity to interview wrestlers when they would come to town uh, and you would say, oh, yeah, Raw's in town and here's whoever it is in town to talk about it. And you'd only air like 15, 20 seconds of that interview. 
but I was doing 10, 15, 20 minute interviews, actually talking about stuff that I cared about just personally. I wanted answers to it. And I kind of realized one day, like, why don't I just put these up on my YouTube channel? Um, and my YouTube channel at the time I had like five subscribers and like <laughs> a thousand views total. And I put up this interview in 2011 with The Miz. He was throwing the first pitch out um, at Progressive Field in Cleveland. Uh, and by the way, you should look that clip up. The Miz can like throw like 90 miles an hour. It's incredibly impressive. So I do this interview with him and CM Punk had just had the pipe bomb. And I just said, you know, what do you think of it? And he gave me this comment that he thought it was the best thing in wrestling since the Attitude Era. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Put the interview up, woke up the next morning and had 6,000 views. And I'm like, what happened? 6,000 views? I never get that many views. And then the next day I woke up and had 36,000 views. And I'm like, wow, I think we're onto something here. And someone had randomly found it somehow and shared it on the dirt sheets. And uh, the next thing you know, the video, at least in the little world that I was in at that time with five subscribers, went a little bit viral. And my page kind of exploded from there. And I thought, all right, I'm onto something here. So anytime a wrestler would come to town, it wasn't that often, but if it was four, five, six times a year, I would post the raw interview and kind of went from there. And then last year I made this decision that I was gonna really make a go at this. And I've been driving around, I've been flying around. If someone's gonna give me access to do an interview, I'll do it. Partly because I'm a super fan. I just wanna hang out and meet these wrestlers and learn about it. And also partly because you know it's really cool to get this great content. And we just basically have a conversation and we throw it up there and people can take little bits out of it that they want. Nice. Um, I was going to ask you if you had a favorite show that you attended, you know, as a fan over the years. And when you started talking about the area you were from, it instantly wondered if you went to uh, WrestleMania 18 yeah, or six or anything like that. WrestleMania 18, my favorite match of all time, too. Uh, Rock Hogan. That was so amazing. So electric seeing that reaction in the crowd because you, you were supposed to cheer for Rock and everyone was cheering for Hogan. And still to this day, when I watched the uh, opening two, three minutes of that match with the stare down and. Hogan pushing down rock and flexing it up. Uh, I get goosebumps every single time still. I get getting goosebumps talking about it right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a great event. I think I was a senior in high school when that show happened. So we're all about the same age on here. Yeah, all right. I'm 35. Yeah, I just turned 35. Like, okay, well, there we go. A couple weeks all ago. Right. Yeah. So um, do you have a favorite interview you've done over the years? You, you said like around 2011 is when you kind of started getting after it. Any any favorite ones to stick out from your YouTube channel at all? Like Rock was number one on my list for the longest time. Like he was just, you know, I, I'm very fortunate with my job to interview a lot of celebrities too. Uh, and Rock was always at the top of my list, someone I wanted to interview for years and years and years. And he was always doing these movie interviews, but I wasn't getting invited to do them. So my friends would, my colleagues would do these and I'd be so jealous. And then WWE was coming to Cleveland for, I think it was just, I think it was Raw. Yeah, they were coming to Cleveland for Raw. And I was in touch with WWE and I said, whoever you can give me, I will take an interview with whoever, just, just let me know. And uh, they called me and said, all right, you're going to be interviewing The Rock on Monday. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Not only am I getting The Rock, but I'm getting The Rock in a wrestling setting. And I look back at it and it was, it was an okay interview, but it was just kind of for me, like it was that uh, checking that off the bucket list. And now I've interviewed The Rock, you know, a handful of times and he's super gracious and funny and kind and charismatic. He's everything you want him to be. Uh, although as his career goes on, I think he wants to talk about wrestling less and less. And I still want to talk about wrestling like the whole time. Yeah. 
And that was daughter's training. So people are going to continue asking, you know, what's going on with her? I, I see his uh, rock lives not far from where I, I live in Fort Lauderdale. The rock lives in a giant, giant house about 20, 30 minutes from here. Um, and I actually see his mom at local wrestling shows, Ada. And uh, she was talking about how her granddaughter, the rock's daughter, wants to be the first ever fourth generation superstar. <laughs> so who knows? Well, Chris, next time we have you on the show, I'm going to expect you to go knock on his door like with your can with your phone, and I want you to yeah. live stream okay. so we can get the rock on Top Rope Nation. No pressure or anything. I'll get you to the gate that leads into the community that leads to the gate where the rock's house is. <laughs> uh, do you have any funny stories, by the way, about like any interviews that didn't go as planned or anything that unexpected that happened besides Dolph Ziggler? allegedly working you the other day uh, I, had, <laughs> I had an interview with uh, the way they used to do interviews at access was they would have the media person cut the line cut the autograph line and then we'd have a minute or two to do the interview which you can't get very good stuff in a minute or two but they basically stop the line you'd go to their table and you'd stick a mic in their face and ask them like two questions and that'd be the end of it well I guess Dolph Ziggler had, had his line interrupted one too many times already that day so when I stepped on up on stage with him, the crowd just instantly started booing. Like, like I had, I was, I was so over as a heel. It was crazy. <laughs> so the crowd's booing like crazy, and Dolph kind of goes to the front of the stage and says, "Hey, all right, give give us one minute." And then he turns to me and goes, "Make it two. Uh, so as soon as he said that, the crowd started counting down from sixty, like sixty, fifty-nine, fifty-eight, fifty-seven, fifty-six, and I'm still trying to do the interview while they're doing this. And then it gets to zero, and just like the Royal Rumble, they all go, eh, and then they start booing so loud that we couldn't continue the interview. Um, that's up on my channel. You should check that out. So that was an interesting moment. Um, Brutus the Barber Beefcake is uh, <laughs> not, not, the, not the kindest interview. Uh, yeah, they were, they were pretty short and abrupt answers. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to ever interview him again. <laughs> was it in a toll booth or no? <laughs> he, although i did have a fun moment with him i asked he had the the, the clippers with him and uh he did clip a little bit of my hair which was a fun you know fun moment as a fan but the interview itself was yeah not awesome yeah. <laughs> well, there's probably not that many people these days looking for a brutus the barber interview so you probably don't have to seek him out again you want to do that again. And it's funny. Now that I've been doo, doing the YouTube doo, channel doo, for a doo. while, I <laughs> I can kind of see which interviews are going to do better than other ones. Like I, I any current WWE person is going to do great. Um, but like the, the vintage people, like just don't do that well. Like look, Luke Bushwhacker, it's not a lot of views. Brutus the Bar Beefcake, not a ton of views. But then you get someone like Sasha Bailey who didn't talk about anything really newsworthy and the interview does great. Yeah. You uh you had a pretty big one here a couple of weeks ago with Chris Jericho uh, yeah. right around the time of the the AEW launch there in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, I think about a half hour interview on your YouTube channel. That's one a lot of people have been talking about. Anything anything out of the ordinary about interviewing Chris Jericho? Uh, so number one, it's so cool that people watch these interviews. Like because you kind of do them in a bubble. Like uh, I don't know if too many people know this, but I record them on my iPhone because the iPhones have like incredible broadcast quality video, broadcast quality audio. I have a, I have a microphone though too. Um, so it's kind of weird that you're just, it's you and this person and one of my buddies holding an iPhone. And then you kind of realize that when you upload this, that like all these people end up seeing it. So I was like in the bathroom at the Royal Rumble and people were like, dude, I loved your Chris Jericho interview. And I'm like, yeah, all right. That, that's so cool. <laughs> um, so I knew he was coming to um, 
a city kind of like, it's about a four hour drive for me. So I knew he was coming to Florida, but it was gonna be a four hour drive each way. And uh, through a mutual friend, I had his uh, number from a previous interview that I'd done. And I texted him and said, all right, hey, um, if you're gonna be in Ocala, uh, I said, are you gonna be in Ocala this weekend? And he said, yeah, do you wanna do something on your show? And I'm like, yeah, yes I do. And he goes, all right, well, come on up, we'll figure something out. So I get there and uh, I text him, I said, I'm here. And he goes, I am too. And I'm like, I'm in a parking lot. I'm like, where are you? And he goes, I'm in the black car. So I walk up to a random black car and I'm like, is Chris in there? And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh, sorry, okay, I'm sorry. So I call him, I'm like, where are you? And he goes, oh, I'm in, I'm in the car, two cars over. So I get in and I sit in the back seat with him. He goes, why don't we just do the interview in here? Because if I get out, that line's gonna go crazy. I said, yeah, no problem. So we kicked his driver out, who just ended up walking around for a little while. <laughs> My buddy, the camera guy, uh, sits in the driver's seat, kind of like over his shoulder with the camera. <laughs> and we sat in the back seat and chatted it up. And he's great. He's willing to talk about anything. Yeah, that was a great interview. Definitely. No, you guys... well, thank you. The fact that he was just willing to like, yeah, sure, let's do it. I mean, that was huge for me. Yeah. Yeah, you guys need to check it out. So um, we'll have Chris's YouTube channel linked here in the description here on YouTube. Or if you're listening via audio, the episode description, I'll link that. But uh, like we said, a lot of good interviews. He's got years of history interviewing wrestling talent on there. So we definitely recommend you check it out. Um, Chris, we're definitely going to have you stick around tonight, if that's all right, as we discuss yeah. kind of what's going on in wrestling. Because this has been a really newsworthy week in pro wrestling. It's kind of crazy how much has gone on in 2019 already this year. Just having another company that hasn't even had a show yet, but another company out there that's offering comparable pay, maybe even better benefits than WWE. It's making things really interesting. I mean, like you said, we all grew up in the Attitude Era and watching WWF and WCW and North American wrestling since that point in time it's been interesting, but not as interesting as it was back then, you know, and not, not to sound like an old man or anything, but like, if you're a younger fan, you have no idea what it was like in the nineties when you never knew who would show up on each other's show. And now like we're getting to a point where we might kind of have a thread of that happening. We saw this week, the Dean Ambrose story. We saw what happened with Hideo Itami. Um, we had other people asking for releases recently, the revival, Mike Bennett, uh, Maria Canellas, all of them supposedly trying to get out of their deal. So it's been a, a wild ride here in 2019 already. Um, we were talking about Dean Ambrose a second ago and whether that's a work, what's really going on. Um, but if you don't know the story, basically Ambrose kind of was eliminated from the Rumble and unceremoniously eliminated. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, he was on. I Raw noticed Monday. it though. Like yeah. I, I, I said to my buddy when I was watching, I was like, "Whew! How the mighty have fallen here." Yeah, because yeah, it wasn't yeah. a big deal when he got thrown. I was just kind of like, oh, there goes Dean Ambrose. <laughs> I said that about him and last year's winner. Shinsuke was just thrown out with no, you know, no story behind it. Yeah. And that, oh, that's another thing we got to talk about is Tuesday night and what happened with him. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. And Kyle is always a Shinsuke Nakamura yeah, just, critic on the show, by the I'll way. Say, Shinsuke was given such little effort. He probably even didn't even notice that he was a little bit. <laughs> I got my prized possession behind me. You can't quite see. It's an NXT poster. Right at the top, there's a, a Shinsuke Nakamura autograph. And Kyle, Kyle's big criticism of Shinsuke is always that he <laughs> takes the night off. Always at house. I was going to say, that, that, that autograph was probably the most effort he gave that yeah. night. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, 
I don't want to drag the guy too much, but it's it's true. It was an NXT house show. The effort was not quite what you would see on TV. His run in, in WWE hasn't been what I would have hoped, you know, as a big Nakamura fan going back to New Japan. I got to wonder what's happening with him as his contract yeah. comes due here pretty I, soon, too. I've never seen a company like this AEW, have you? I mean, <laughs> this, I mean they're just rewriting the rules. They rewrite a show. <laughs> it is pretty that crazy. Is, and honestly, that is the most interesting thing. We're four months away from their first show. They don't have an announced TV deal, and everyone thinks that they're going to take on WWE. It just yeah. seems... Let's not put the cart before the horse here. Thank you. I yeah. like this is a good guest that we have on this program, <laughs> Ryan. This is somebody who obviously knows this sport. I did. I haven't watched it, but the, the latest being the elite, wasn't there like a countdown timer on it again? I'm wondering if that's going to be their TV announcement. I think it was like next okay. week or some point. So I don't know. We'll see. But once they announce that thing, they're going to have to be announcing show after show after show because it's supposedly going to be a weekly two hour show and we're just a few months away and they got to well, book the arenas. I'm thinking that they announced the TV deal in the next two months, maybe, and then, but, but then, where does uh, where does this uh, Double or Nothing air? Does that air? Does it stream? Does that air on the the network that they're going to be on? These are all questions we have no answers to. Yeah, so it is, it is crazy. Like Kyle was saying, you haven't really ran a show. They had the uh, All In show, I guess, kind of like the guys involved, but ROH was pulling a lot of the strings on that show. Yeah. So. They don't even own the TV rights to it from what I had heard. Nope. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's very unique, but uh, a lot yeah. of big money behind this organization. And, and that's what it comes down to. And as we all know, as soon as the quote unquote underutilized Dean Ambrose shows up and stops doing quote unquote hokey shit. I mean, <laughs> this industry has changed forever. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look well, I, someone someone raised a really good point on the weekend and i couldn't agree more they said that if AEW wants to compete with wwe they need to make their tv product look like wwe and i don't mean that the matches need to look like wwe i mean that the quality of what they're putting out needs to look like quality it can't look like no offense to ring of honor but ring of honor's tv quality doesn't look like wwe's it, it you know it looks like it's uh you know, in a smaller audience with less production value. So if AEW wants to compete at the same level, it needs to look as good. Yeah, that, that that's a great point because that's, you know, the number one barrier of entry. You know, I mean, WCW, despite all the gaffes that happened, was actually run, you yes. know, by a, you know, a television company. They were run by TBS, people, you know, a, a television company. But, you know, I mean, when you look at these, that's been the number one, why no one's been able to compete with WWE because the quote-unquote masses, you know, what there's a certain um aesthetic that has to exist you know have mass appeal and and no one has been able to do that since 2001 so if that can happen that you know it's going to be a real interesting conversation yeah that was always the big knock on ring of honor is like their lighting was really bad um i think they improved it a little bit in recent years but it still doesn't look like a wwe show and now with all the guys leaving ring of honor (laughs) what becomes a ring of honor too i mean that that's another tangent on this story so again uh, aew wins again <laughs> they win without even having a show i've never seen a company like this it's unbelievable everybody's going <laughs> i've never <laughs> even seen the company so but no other promotion will even have a mid card because all of their unhappy wrestlers will just go to aew 
automatically be main eventers too. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, you uh, know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking to work for a wrestling company. So if uh, AEW is listening, you know, <laughs> I might as well go there too. Guys, yeah. we'll do the official podcast of AEW. We'll even change the name. We love the name Top Rope Nation, but we will change the name if you guys are looking for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of the co- I've heard of the co-opted wrestling media, but this is just going too far. Okay, maybe we'd keep the name Top Promotion. Yeah. It's a it's a damn good name. Uh, what do you guys think though about this Dean Ambrose story? So supposedly he told him, and he was offered a big money contract. From what I was hearing and reading today, million told, downside. Yeah, he told him he's not interested. He's got three months left on his deal. It is very odd for WWE with a guy with three months left of television time to say, yeah, he's not sticking around. Especially for a guy who's, you know, held all the titles that he's had and he's always going to be associated with the top of the card, you know, through Seth Rollins right now and the WrestleMania build, the the Shield being one of the most popular stables of all time. Kyle, what do you think about this? You think it's legit? You think Dean Ambrose is leaving or you think it's a, it's a work? Yeah, I think it's legit. But, I mean, it is wrestling, so I understand. I mean, anyone who's been a wrestling fan for any length of time, you know, there's always that thing in the back of your mind. Oh, is it a work? You know, because that's just what being a wrestling fan is. Um, I'm kind of glad some of the language you used when introducing this issue about how Dean's held all the championships has been in the main event picture. Because, you know, I kind of joked about it about two minutes ago. I think it's kind of fresh that we're referring to him as, quote, the underutilized Dean Ambrose. There are a lot of guys in WWE who are underutilized. Dean Ambrose was not, is not one of them. He's yeah. always had a pretty like solid spot on the card. Um, the reaction to this has been, you know, somewhat painfully predictable. Again, I've kind of made fun of it. Oh, you know, WWE screws up another one. AEW bound, you know, this industry's changing. Um, to me, any excitement over this and, and the possibility of him going to AEW is something I think I spoke about last week on the show where freedom of movement is something that we've lost since WCW. You kind of touched on that earlier that, you know, it was exciting to see who would show up when, where, you know, bouncing back and forth in the Monday Night Wars era. Um, Dean, I, I think this is a case. Any frustration Dean may have is just simply he's been with this company now for over six years. And he has won all the titles. Now, has he always been booked the best? I don't think so. I think, you know, he was pretty hot in early 2016. And most fans, I think, would agree that that Brock Lesnar feud killed him dead. Uh, I also don't think his current stuff, you know, has been that great. Uh, The heel turn did not work. The match with Rollins at TLC was not good. And, you know, also doing him no favors is that maybe vis-a-vis the company, I think a lot of people view him as number three among the shield. Mm -hmm. You know, Roman's always going to be pushed. Seth is clearly being pushed. So, you know, maybe that's hurt him a little bit, but, um, and you know, I I think they should not have broken up the shield when they did. I think that was a mistake with the benefit of hindsight, but has he been booked the best? No. Um, Is his body, you know, his body of work. Let's examine Ambrose, the performer. Everyone's getting all excited about this guy. You know, who's an AEW? You know, Meltzer even talked about. Oh, he's friends with Jericho. (laughs) Do we remember that Ambrose-Jericho match from 2016 in that cage? That was one of the (laughs) worst big matches in WWE the last three years. So, you know, I was texting with a buddy just last week. I asked him, what's the best Dean Ambrose match? 
And, um, you know, Justin, that I did the same thing too. And we came up with a couple, but you know, I, I just think for me, I'm, if he wants to go, that's great. And I think any benefit, you know, it's, it's not like if he goes to AEW, let's say, and succeeds, I don't necessarily think that's a knock against WWE. I just think it's freedom of movement. I'm old enough to remember, remember like ravishing Rick Rude, you know, a, a successful wrestler, a famous wrestler, someone we all know listening to this podcast. He leaves WWF, goes to WCW. And by the way, was actually better in WCW. Nobody in 1991 was saying, oh, WWE just doesn't know how to book these guys. <laughs> no one was saying it. Like, to me, it's just, and it goes to people aren't used to a free, in the, you know, in the 80s and 90s, people moved around all the time. Six years is a long time to be in one company. Yeah, he like like you were saying, he's he's won a lot of titles. He's always been around the main event scene. I was saying that a second ago, too. I can I can understand the creative frustration for him. Um, I always it's funny because I always use that term hokey with Dean Ambrose matches in particular. And I don't I don't know if he was encouraged to use like the moveset that he was. But I always found like that rebound thing he would do off the middle rope like hokey. I always use that term. So to hear him using the term hokey about his or allegedly using the term hokey about his own WWE is is kind of funny. And, you know, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I thought if if I think back to when he came in with the Shield, I remember everyone talking about him as being like the next Roddy Piper, and when or he was, Terry Funk. Yep. And when he was a when he was a babyface, I always thought like I really want to see this guy as a heel. The babyface thing is just it's goofy. They're trying to make him funny. I want to see what this guy can do as a serious heel. And like you alluded to, Kyle, the heel run has been a little disappointing. Um, Chris, what do you think creatively about uh, Dean Ambrose's time with WWE over the last six years or so? Well, I don't know what value there is for WWE pre-announcing that he'll be leaving. I just don't see from a marketing standpoint or a PR standpoint where the, what the value is there. Um, if it is, in fact, actually happening, this, I feel, is unprecedented. Uh, and maybe it's setting the tone for what will end up being the future in professional wrestling. I don't know. But I, I'm with you guys. I, I can't think back to a Dean Ambrose match that stole the show or was the best match on the card. Um, but this is this is part of a bigger discussion. It's uh, do you stay in WWE and make a whole bunch of money uh, or do you go somewhere else where you have the creative freedom to be the wrestler that you want to be? And I would have to think that this is tied into his return. He had so much excitement around his return. Everyone was talking about it. People loved his new look. And then what was it like a week or two or three later, it just all fell flat and no one seemed to care anymore. So it must be tied into that. But I, if I'm Dean Ambrose, I can't be upset with my time in the WWE. You talk about the title runs that you guys were talking about, always towards the top of the card. He also met his wife there. I mean, it really doesn't get any better than that for him. So if he's going to take his six years there and move on somewhere else, I think he's uh, he should be pretty proud of those six years that he had there. Yeah, definitely. I don't know how much time Renee has left on her deal, but that's going to be interesting too. If he, oh, indeed I can't, doesn't. I can't see her going anywhere. Like she's, they've, they've just strapped a rocket to her back, and you know, they, she's super, incredibly important to the company. I can't see them shaking that up or have, having her go anywhere. Yeah, and she's always, and she's always had like offers outside of wrestling too. ESPN uh, I, was after yeah ESPN and she she chose to stay with WWE so I mean she obviously she's it's well publicized that she grew up a big fan too and she wants to be part of it and uh, she stayed loyal to the company with outside offers so I, I agree I don't see her leaving uh, anytime soon or WWE giving her reason to leave so 
that'll be an interesting tangent on what happens with Dean. And I would say with, with the Dean Ambrose story, I believe right now it is legit because like I was saying a little bit ago, they have been really open with the media in recent uh, way more than it used to be. I've been writing and covering wrestling for a long time on the internet and WWE used to be super closed off from any of the, you know, the so-called dirt sheets and the websites. And they're very open about communicating these days. If something happens, if I send a, if I send a question to one of the PR guys, they get back to me like right away. And, uh, yeah, they've just, I got the same email that a lot of people did and that were, are on their list that, uh, you know, he is going to be leaving once the report was out there and he's not re-signing and everything. So, yeah, I don't know what the benefit is to, confirming that to everyone uh unless they think they're gonna be able to uh re-sign him in the next three months and change his mind and it spikes some interest in him and all of his television appearances in the next three months kyle i actually think the complete opposite after listening to what you guys says after listening to what both you guys said do we just think that he's off tv now mm. i mean because because what chris was saying it's like you know what benefit is it of announcing that you know, because to me, I look at it, and if they keep putting him out on TV, the closer and closer it gets to the end of his deal, people are just going to be like, "Well, he's leaving." Mm-hmm. And we've seen in yeah. the past, you know, they, they turns into that. like the Brock Goldberg yeah, thing, exactly. Yeah. Where I, I was just thinking that you know they in WWE's mind, they're like, "Oh, it'll get heat on him as a heel," and usually it's just met with apathy because the crowd's like, "Well, I'm going to have no emotional investment past this match." So I'm wondering if he's just going to be written off tv and they're just going to sit out the rest of his deal that would make sense uh I mean, if that was actually the case but, i mean know, unless they want to humiliate him and like you know have him <laughs> lose to like nia Jax at wrestlemania but then he could but then he'll just walk out i mean why why would he stick around to that yeah well, i mean he's still under a contract for three months i mean i guess you're right i mean i guess he could just say you know f yeah. if it got real bad and he just forsakes but you know i don't know how that works now, there's a lot of talk about how this contract works. I know that you know, mm-hmm. there's usually some sort of a non-compete clause if you quit or you're released. But if his contract is up, does that mean that the next day he can go sign somewhere else? Hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't think, know I how think, that works either. I think when the contract's up, you can negotiate. You just can't appear for him. So I think he okay. could start negotiating, but uh, that's a good question. Do we think he's going to just resign somewhere immediately? Gonna go because, or, or is he just gonna, gonna like time off? Yeah, watch Netflix for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, I might yeah. be doing that for the next three months anyway. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, I guess the contrarian view, Mr. Kyle Ross, to pull Uh-oh. the other direction here, <laughs> would be if you get rewind to the pipe bomb was mentioned a little bit ago. CM Punk was evidently on his way out of the company. I don't remember the leaks happening this early that he was not going to resign, but like, you know, he was, he was put in that match with John Cena at money in the bank in Chicago, even though he was on his way out of the company and and he got so hot. Yeah. Everyone was under the impression he was leaving. Yeah. Yeah, And it spiked interest. He got really hot. They made him a good offer. He stuck around. So, I mean, who knows? There's different ways this could go though. Yeah. Like they, I don't know. Dean could, you know, maybe they just say, Hey, you know, the last, few months have sucked and we just make him like a rebel or something Uh, maybe who knows we'll see yeah you know like going back to what i was saying what what is more important to these guys is it saying you work with wwe and making a boatload of money or is it going to a ring of honor or an AEW or just going around the indies and being able to have creative control over whatever you want your character to be like it it matters to some of these people like i talked to gals and anderson on the weekend 
who haven't been used in forever. Um, and they're just happy to be collecting a paycheck and hanging out with their family, I think. Yeah, was good. I, I'm so glad, Chris, you brought back that because I, I wanted to follow that question up too. This It's not apples to apples, the comparison, um, present-day wrestling to Monday Night Wars, WWF versus WCW, when those were the two main options for a big-time worker in this country. But, um, you know, there was the debate, you know, as 1998, 1999, Chris Jericho, I think, was the one actually who started this. WCW was offering more money at the time, but guys were accepting less money to go work with WF because they were so unhappy being stuck in the mid card with no upward mobility in sight in WCW. So it's kind of interesting how that's come full circle, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking about Ambrose and his matches and how hard it was to come to an agreement on what his best work was in WWE and not really having that classic match. I wonder what the turning point for him was and if it was that Brock Lesnar match at Oof. WrestleMania because wasn't that a, that was a weapons match, right? Yeah. And it it and seemed he... like set up for him to win and he lost like pretty quickly. <laughs> I don't even think he got to use a weapon. I just think yeah. he just, that was he he was really hot. Remember he was working with Triple H. Didn't they like did some like network only show before that WrestleMania? It was like it was like the first roadblock and he was mm. the guy challenging yep. Triple H for the title. Um, he was the last guy in that rumble that was for the title in 2016 and the crowd was pretty behind him. He was legitimately hot. And then guys have overcome bad booking before, you know, that's something I always look for, you know, when they're so, Oh, this guy, when I'm like, when I point something out to somebody, ah, you know, is this guy that good? Well, you know, the booking sucks. I'm like, well, you know, it's not like other guys don't overcome bad booking, but in that, that was real bad. I mean, that was a thing where he just kind of was made to look weak. And then came that Jericho match, by the way, right after that I mentioned. <laughs> yes. Now, what was that called? It was like their like it was their take on like that clockwork house of fun. Oh match yeah. Remember that was very uh, bad with Mitch the plant. Oh, that was oh yeah. That was very bad. <laughs> I think I had kind of pressed that one out of my memory, yeah. but, but yeah. What's bad. interesting, what's interesting is right after that, when he gets he's so cooled off. They put the title right before they did the brand split. He was the champion. Yeah. And he, he felt like kind of a mid-card yeah. champion in all mm-hmm. due respect to Dean. But yeah. Well, another guy that we had high hopes for about having a lot of classic matches in WWE when he came in, he was in a really publicized recruiting class in 2014, I believe, with Finn Balor, Prince Devitt at the time, Kevin Owens. And then you had Kenta, Hideo Hidami, who Tuesday night, that word just came out of nowhere that he's on his way out too. asked for his release, was granted the release. Um, supposedly, he finished up this week. He had a match on 205 Live, and that's it for him. So he'll have the 90-day no-compete, which will leave him eligible to be on the Double or Nothing show in May. But when I look at Kenta's run as Hideo Itami in NXT and then on the main roster at 205 Live, That's like one of the big what ifs in pro wrestling, because this is a guy who had so many great matches in Noah in Japan. And then he comes in and just injury like, you know, he first he had the the injury that kept him out over a year. Then he had another injury right after that. And he just never really caught on. And to me, that's a big that's kind of a depressing one to think of what could have been. I I don't it's no one's fault in this situation. Why it didn't work out. You know, the, the guy was injured. And by the time he was healthy enough. You know, a his best days were probably behind him in the ring. You know, part large, large part due to injury, and B they they signed Nakamura. 
And Nakamura yeah. had kind of passed him by in stature and was kind of like the new hot signing from Japan. So he was kind of in trouble. Um, you know, you know, get people who are like, oh, you know, the WWE's like, you know, they're letting another great one go. I mean, he, he did good work on 205 Live, but I mean, what are you going to do with them, man? I mean, you're not going to have him go over Buddy Murphy. Well, and I yeah. think, unfortunately, your average fan, you know, not someone who's watching every week, your average fan goes, who's Hideo Itami? He was so underutilized, even when he was healthy, that I don't think people are really going to, and I hate to say it, unfortunately, I don't think anyone's going to miss him because he was so underutilized. And you're absolutely right. It's the big what if. And if he goes somewhere else where he's given some freedom, uh, maybe we could actually see some great matches out of him. Yeah. Beca- because they granted the release, just like, yeah, you're cool. They're probably pretty confident he's not going AEW, and he's just gonna go back to Japan. Mm-hmm. Right. Which would be the smart move, I yeah. Would think. Yeah, and I, I there, you know, WWE uh, seems to have a real issue with guys who don't speak great English, and I get it. You know, they're very promo driven with everything they do, mm-hmm. uh, and if you can't cut a great promo, it's like you're just immediately relegated to the mid card or lower because you can't drive a storyline. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I think Noah has different ownership now than when he left before. Uh, New Japan is going to be looking for some new talent unless they can get the agreement signed with AEW to share talent. They're definitely going to be looking for bringing in some big names. So that was going to be my next question is where do we see him going? I, I also think Japan most likely, but I don't know which company. So that'll be that'll be the big story over the next couple of weeks. So um we saw i kind of wanted to transition to wwe's booking for elimination chamber first of all and then kind of with wrestlemania on the horizon where we see some of these stories going Uh, so we saw tv this week with uh rousey and becky lynch is obviously the money match for wrestlemania baby was that a strong segment yeah Yeah. well raw didn't i mean it didn't start out great i think i think the crowd really threw ronda off quite a bit and she she struggled a little bit but then when becky got out there and she really laid into becky she was just like lasered in and it was awesome and there no question that should be the main event at wrestlemania but then you have the rumors about charlotte being added to the match so this is what i wanted to get into do you guys have a problem with charlotte being added to the match would you rather see it a singles match what what's your opinion we saw charlotte attack becky um on (coughs) tuesday on smackdown and so they could either do a match early at Elimination Chamber and like get Charlotte out of the way and move on to the one-on-one match, or it could drag on and Charlotte's insert in the triple threat. So, Chris, what do you what would you like to see at WrestleMania? A singles match or a triple threat match in this? I match? always prefer a one-on-one singles match, but I can understand why if they're going to have a historic match and if it is going to be the main event at WrestleMania, the first ever women's main event at WrestleMania, I can understand why they'd want Charlotte to be involved in that. I can also understand from a storyline perspective that Becky Lynch shouldn't have even been in the Royal Rumble. This yeah. and this bothers me so much. I'm I'm such a logical person when it comes to wrestling. And Lana entered the Royal Rumble, and when the next person's number was called, Lana was then eliminated from the Royal Rumble. Why is it okay to have 31 entrants into the Royal Rumble just because Fit Finley nodded his head? That, that makes zero sense. And the fact that that hasn't been addressed at all is completely ludicrous. 
So I think that maybe they tie in a storyline with Charlotte saying, hey, you shouldn't have even been in the Rumble. Uh, I, you know, I should be the winner here. I should deserve this title match. That's where I'm coming from with this. I love that Becky won it. I love what she's doing right now. She's so over. That's incredible. But that booking uh, was, I think, was pretty weak at Royal Rumble. The fact that she uh, taps out and then isn't even in the Royal Rumble and then takes this imaginary made-up spot and then wins it, I didn't like that at all. I think they took for granted just how old – and she was over. I mean, let, 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 so maybe I'm – I think they just – let me choose my words a little bit better. I think they just figured, eh, she's going to be real over it regardless of what we do. So let's just do this. That's what I think it was. And it it's funny because it does work for that live audience or the people who are watching, you know, week to week, which is obviously, you know, virtually 100% of the people that were watching that show. But I had some buddies over who are not week to week viewers, and they were – rather confused by the whole setup, how she just came in and like, you know, everyone was fired. They're like, what? Like, so could it have been done better? Probably. But I just think WWE figured, eh, it's Becky. She's gold. We can do it at whatever. Um, to answer Ryan's question, I too would prefer a one-on-one match. I think most people would. I mean, you watch that promo, man. They don't need anything else. Yeah. They, they don't. Um, It would not anger me if they made it a triple threat because there are reasons. Chris talked about a lot of them. I think another one that I would add is, and we mentioned this last week, if Ronda's taking time off after Mania, and people know this, kind of hip to it, having another person in there, I guess, kind of muddies the water. Oh, is Becky you know, going to go over here or not? Are they going to have Charlotte? Because, you know, WWE doesn't like to be the, do the predictable thing. Even though sometimes predictable is great. Uh so that could be another reason they insert Charlotte and local advertising here in Cleveland. Fast Lane is uh, the final pay per view, the final stop on the road to WrestleMania. Of course, um, they are advertising a Becky Charlotte match for that right now. Now, obviously, card subject to change, but that could be a deal where, like, Chris brings up uh, Charlotte's like, well, "You weren't supposed to be in this match." They have a match. Charlotte beats her. They both are in. But let me bring this counterpoint up. What the heck do you do with Asuka and that title if you're putting both Becky and Charlotte in the Raw like title match? Because that's kind of weird, like two SmackDown people. I get that. And Charlotte's bit has the own issue with Rousey from Survivor Series. But you're moving two, your two top women from SmackDown over to the Raw side. What's left for Asuka? I think if Charlotte worked Asuka as the second women's title match, that'd be pretty good too. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be even better if they didn't have Oscar uh, tap clean as a sheet last year. But that's yeah. a different podcast for a different day. <laughs> yeah, no, that that is really interesting because they could move like a raw star over. Um, I could see like Sasha or Alexa moving over to challenge Oscar, maybe. But I was well, thinking about Sasha that maybe too. in the women's tag is probably gonna be the women's tag title. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that too. Like, would they yeah, do Sasha a Charlotte? They're gonna win the tag titles. Yeah. I was I was thinking that too. Like, would they do the Charlotte Oscar Oscar match again two years in a row? It was kind of a letdown last year for a lot of people. I well, I, I mean, know. it was a great match. I just you know I think the a lot ending, of people, yeah, were, yeah, a lot of people they're like, wow, that was pretty definitive and kind of like you don't want to do a rematch at all. And this is you know it's funny because WWE does a you know especially with AJ Styles is is kind of I think the most notable example. You get a lot of repeat matches on pay per view with AJ. And Charlotte Asuka is something I think we all assumed would be a kind of multi-show feud. And it, you know, the way it was booked at Mania, it was clearly like, nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But yeah. give, give Vince credit. He listened to the fans, and he's elevated Asuka. And, and as much as I didn't like the tap either, Chris, how Becky tapped clean, you know, yeah. given that she's supposed to be the top face of the promotion, yeah. what was on pace. The flip side of that is, well, we all come, you know, if they had it like kind of a cheap finish, we'd all be saying, well, you know, they're making the SmackDown women's title look weak now because the, the finish did put Asuka over strong, at least. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. During the rumble on Sunday, me and Kyle and Justin, our usual co-host who's out ill tonight, uh, we were texting and there was a rumor out there Sunday night that Becky was going to win the men's rumble. And I like as it went on, I saw that possibly happening because it seemed like everyone thought Charlotte was going to win the women's rumble. And as we got to the end, I really thought it was going to happen that Becky was going to like take out our truth backstage and win the win the men's rumble coming in at 30. So I didn't really foresee what happened with Lana. Of course, I didn't really watch the kickoff show, so I didn't know that she was injured and all that. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. I Well, we Nia getting... ended up entering the Rumble, which was yeah. interesting. And also the first time we've seen any sort of intergender wrestling in years. Um, I, actually, I, I, you guys might know better than me. I don't know the last time we saw men wrestling women and, and actually like not being afraid to put moves on them because – when Triple H was facing off against Ronda last year at Mania, he kind of gave like the like, shrug of the shoulders. Like, I, I can't hit you. Mm-hmm. Um, Beth, Beth Phoenix was in a rumble, maybe 2010. Sure. Yeah. And, like, I remember, like, she eliminated the great Kali by kissing him. And then, like, but I think then Punk gave her the go to sleep and just tossed her. Okay. But there was a time when we would have yeah. uh, mixed tag yeah. matches, intergender matches, and men wrestle women all the time. Sure. Um, once again, with my wrestling logic here, uh, it didn't make sense that Nia Jax can just take someone's spot, enter the Rumble. If if we want equality for all, why can't Braun Strowman enter the Women's Rumble then? Like, I just don't, if I'm thinking from a logical standpoint here, why, if it's, if it's okay for women to enter the Men's Royal Rumble, is it now okay, logistically, for men to enter the Women's Rumble? Yeah. That's a, it's it's true. It's a good point. It just it just seems like an awful double standard. Yeah. Well, and when we in a little bit when we kind of go over our thoughts on the rumble and takeover cards, um, you know, I think one of my more uh, pointed criticisms of the rumble matches, at least, they kind of repeated a lot of stuff between the two rumbles, which is a troubling because you know some people think. A lot of people raised this point last year when they announced the Women's Rumble. I know we were all happy. Oh, they're getting a Women's Rumble. But like two Rumbles on the same show, is that overkill? That question is, is, you know, yet to be answered. But, man, I don't like the idea of them repeating so much stuff in the two Rumbles on the same show. You know, uh, there were, you know, kind of Kofi tribute spots in the Women's Rumble. There were people people hiding under the ring in both Rumbles. You had uh, unscheduled people entering both Rumbles. So yeah. Yeah, these are really good points, Kyle. Um, yeah, I, and if you, move, if you move the women's <laughs> rumble to something like evolution and people go, well, it's not, it's not a Royal rumble. Yes, exactly. It's not on the Royal rumble card. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a big discussion. Like I think the day after the women's rumble was announced, there were a lot of people saying, okay, this is cool. But man, is, is, is two rumbles on the same show too much. And some people are like, oh, well maybe you could do it on a different show. And a lot of people are like, man, you, the Royal rumble has to be at, the Royal Rumble, you know, so yeah, well, it, it, unless it's at the greatest Royal Rumble, yes, that's it, it's true, <laughs> yeah. But you, we see this, you know, throughout the year. Now, we've got two chamber matches, by the way, coming up. 
Uh, there's two Money in the Bank matches. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to think they should put more time between them. Like, I honestly think one of the Rumbles should open the show if they yes. do two of them. Because yeah. we saw with uh, AJ and Brian, that was kind of a death spot after the Women's Rumble. Oh, that was the bathroom break spot. Yeah. yeah. Phoenix. Good Lord. The, the line for the bathroom during that match was like 20 minutes long. Well, because they had just watched a 72-minute match. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I get I get the show had been running long. You know, so, you know, Meltzer brought this up. The show was already running long. Because he's like, man, they really need to do an intermission after that first rumble. And that was my thought, too. You know, send it to the coach. Let's just, you well, know. Well, that was the intermission. The intermission was that awful title match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah but like an actual intermission where it's like, oh, let's get Shawn Michaels' take on the first half of the show. Whatever. Because if you were, I actually thought about it um, and remembered this last year. This was a problem last year, too. Um, people forget because the match wasn't as notable. But it was uh, Rollins and Jordan worked the bar in the match after the men's rumble last year. And they were going, they actually were to their credit, trying to go balls out and work a, you know, spot, spot, spot kind of match. And the crowd just did not care. You people <laughs> want to go back and watch it. So that that's something they've got to monitor moving forward is whatever comes after that first rumble is a absolute death spot. And yeah. they've got to, they've got to do it where there's like an intermittent, you know, I know that they have a video package, but that, uh, one video package you could tell was not enough for that live crowd. I mean, the crowd from the very start just was not into Brian and AJ. If we, if if everybody's watching this on the WWE Network and we're not worrying about pay-per-view or putting this on network television or cable television, why do we need a pre-show? Why don't we just, just do the Royal Rumble? Like, I was there from... 4 p.m. till 10 p.m. and it was exhausting. I mean, the only thing that's more exhausting is being at Mania for eight or nine hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, why do we need a pre-show to a show that's on the exact same network? Yeah, or like when they cut to commercials for the WWE Network as you're watching the WWE Network. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, we could have started this thing. It could have been a four-hour show, start to finish. You didn't need some of the pre-show stuff. And like you guys said, let's start with uh, one of the Rumbles and then go from there. Yeah, I actually think that is a good idea moving forward. They should just do one of the Rumbles first. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, who would have ever imagined that AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan would be such a crappy match? Well, and it's not even necessarily it was a bad match. It was just like the crowd wasn't into it. They worked a lot of slow rest holds. Yeah, and like we were they, talking about they Kyle. should have called an audible in that match. And those are two smart workers in the ring. Yeah. They should have called. I mean, about to me, you could tell about two or three minutes into that match that the crowd wasn't buying what they were selling, and they should have called an audible and just done a spot fest and the match didn't need to be you know and the thing was you know you can tell this now in modern wrestling when guys start working a match like that you can tell it's going to go long and i i just think the crowd didn't want a long match in that spot and, and given the finish they did with rowan it didn't need to be long yeah that finn balor and uh, brock lesnar match was the perfect length of time for everything yeah. that we had endured as a live crowd that night yeah. and that's another thing that was worked so of the two title matches that people knew were coming Finn and Brock, I think was the one it sounds like it's certainly in the building, but I, I know that probably most people watching were more looking forward to. So that was working against AJ and Daniel Bryan. And also that was the, their fourth time working on TV since October 30th people, mm-hmm. you know, again, we've talked about this, right? How many times with AJ matches that 
you know, it's a lot of the repeats with AJ. You know, he worked Nakamura three times on mm-hmm. pay-per-view. We worked Joe three times. Um, when it's a babyface challenger that the crowd doesn't buy as winning, that really hurts that scenario. And I think that's something else to consider why the match didn't get over. Yeah. Yeah, when we look at the Rumble just top to bottom, we had seven matches, uh, including the two Rumbles. and Not including pre-show, though. Not including the pre-show, yeah. So when we when we went to rank those, um, I thought the women's rumble was the worst match on the show, um, bar none. And then I had the men's rumble next at number six. You are very fired up. I wow. think you need. I think you need to uh, open the curtain a little bit. You were very upset about this show on Sunday night. Well, January twenty seventh. I didn't like the rumbles, and so for me, like when we were talking about, was it a good show or a bad show? <sighs> It's hard, like, yeah, the undercard was good. It's hard for me to call it, like, a good show when both Rumbles were disappointing. I thought both Rumbles just were not that good. Um, But the rest of the card was pretty good outside of AJ and Brian. It was very much the reverse of last year. I think last year the consensus was everyone loved both Rumbles, but (laughs) that undercard wasn't exactly, you know, one of the finest of our generation. So I can understand the disappointment, especially if you're someone who – evaluates a rumble you know puts a little extra stock in the actual rumble matches but you know to me and my, look I, I told you last week my expectations were sky high for the show mm-hmm. and did it hit them no it didn't but that doesn't mean it's a bad show i think the majority of the non-rumble stuff was actually pretty good with the exception of brian aj i think you know brock and finn was very good um Oscar and Becky was very good, and then Sasha and Ronda w- w- was very good as well. Yeah, I'd say I'd say four of the seven matches were very good. Um, three didn't hit it for me. So I guess if I was going good, bad, or in the middle, it's in the middle for me. Um, yes. What it came down to was if I'm picking the best match, bar none, it's the two women's title matches. And I went back and forth. I'm going to go to you guys in a second. What you thought the best match of the Rumble was? Um, I ended up going with Ronda and Sasha just barely above Asuka and Becky because I liked the aftermath so much Um, and what they did after the bell that kind of like that put it over the top for me. Uh, But I think those two bar none, those two matches were the top two matches on the rumble. And then I had the tag title match number three and then Brock Finn. Those two I could go either, either way on, honestly. Um, you know, it kind of made a joke out of it last week on the show here. I brought out the Balor Club shirt. We were doing our predictions. I'm like, oh, maybe there's a chance Finn Balor will win and they'll throw oh, off Mania no. and just change it up. You know, <laughs> I was trying to make the show interesting. If you go back and watch it on YouTube, I added the Finn Balor theme music. I very dramatically put on the, well, not really dramatically. It took me a little while to do it, but I put on the Balor Club shirt. Uh, didn't get it done, but I mean, I thought the match was entertaining. They teased that he might get the win. Yeah, um, Brock. I like that match a lot. If he came out yeah. as a demon, I think that he had a chance to win. Which, yeah, I, I mean, this is a conversation for another time. But what happens to Finn now? He has this good, very good match at the Rumble, and now Seth Rollins is going to face the Beast. So what happens to Finn? Well, it looks like Lashley. What a poser this guy is, too. <laughs> I mean, this guy's unbelievable. Um, I mean, they tease that on Raw. That looks to be something that would happen at the chamber we think and ryan what have i been saying on this program for months fit the eyes i know that the finn diehards have higher expectations and we'll get dirty diapers over this but the (laughs) ic title 
is a wonderful place for fans. I, I agree. I've said that on the show many times that I think oh, he'd be a great intercontinental. Yes, I have. I, <laughs> that he would be a great intercontinental champion. Yeah. I've said it before on this program as well. I, th- I think it's a good spot for him. My biggest problem with the Rumble uh, in general, and I agree, both Rumble matches were okay. They were all right. And uh, I, I agree with Kyle that a lot of stuff was repeated. I hate that we knew who number 30 was in both Rumbles. That should be the surprise entrant. John Cena in the past, Roman Reigns recently. That should be the surprise entrant. Not this just throwaway spot you're just going to give to Carmella and R-Truth that no one cares about, that R-Truth didn't even get to walk halfway to the ring. I, I had a real problem with that. Okay, I know no one really watched it and probably even fewer care. But with the whole mix match challenge two thing, like, and he kind of what what, what the light bulb went off was like, you know, truth didn't even get come up. Man, was that a whole lot of nothing? Like, I, I know there were a lot of injuries, but I just feel bad. You know, they didn't even show any of those segments of them going to Stanford on TV, did they? You just had to go to the there website, like I think, to pictures watch pictures of it or something. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought for sure. I was like, you know, okay, a lot of people were rolling their eyes when they won that match at TLC, but I'm like, you know, they do some vignettes on TV. Maybe this act gets over, and and we didn't get nothing. <laughs> Without all of, all of the truth, all the truth is now the United States champion. So Facebook must be paying WWE a just boatload of money for all this mixed mass challenge stuff. That really, for the most part, not a ton of people are watching. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with number thirty is always like the anticipated moment in the Rumble, and it really takes away to know that oh, our truth is coming out. You know, right? <laughs> the new U.S. champion. I might yeah, add. Yeah, right true. So um, go ahead, Kyle. Oh, I was just saying my top matches were actually for the it was pretty it was neck and neck between Becky and Asuka and Finn and Brock, actually. I actually had Ron and Sasha's third, not a distant third, but third. Um, and then the re- then there was kind of a huge drop off to the rest of the card. I did think both rumble matches in the Pantheon of Rumbles were subpar. Uh Brian and AJ obviously was not good. And that tag match, I, it was entertaining, but ugh. I enjoyed M- that tag. Match. Yeah, but I had one major gripe, and I think it's legitimate. MMA Shane is not something I care to be seeing on my television screen. I mean, <laughs> I, I had a buddy, big fan of the show, Chad, who I've referenced before, who would like get like violently ill when like the Undertaker would be trading submissions with Brock Lesnar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man Shane, that triangle choke that shane had on cesaro may have been the low point of grappling in this country <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> it wasn't great yeah. yeah uh chris how'd you rank them i'm with you guys on that both women's title matches i thought were very good um Finn and Brock was surprisingly way my expectations for that match were not high and i thought the storytelling in that match was the best storytelling we saw all night, actually. Um, you know, the I obviously didn't hear the commentary. I haven't watched the Rumble other than being there live. Um, but Brock going into the announce table and the corner of the announce table, I thought that was really good storytelling. And for them to tease a Brock victory, uh, sorry, a Finn victory, and then give it to Brock, I thought was great. And it leads into <clears throat> what we're going to end up seeing down the line, which I think one day, eventually, Heyman's going to end up turning on Brock and putting someone over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could see that too. Fit um, attacked his diverticulitis. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He did. Uh, NXT Takeover 
just real quickly how we rank those matches um by the way spoiler alert if you don't want to hear what has happened at tapings this week fast forward a few minutes but uh we had the i i rated number one the johnny gargano ricochet match and gargano won the north american title right and then promptly dropped it to the velveteen dream or or did he because yeah there's been some conflicting reports with that they taped two finishes and oh, no really? one I did really not know. Yeah, yeah. So people don't know what's going on with that. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, Dream went over, and then Johnny's walking to the back, and then went back in the ring and tapped Dream out. So we don't know if that was and left Johnny with the title, or or yeah, and he left with the title. So we don't know if Johnny getting revenge and going, "This is my title, you can't have it," or if that was actually them taping a different finish and uh swerving the audience mm-hmm. interesting well i thought that was i thought that was the best match to take over um i oh, thought yeah. yeah definitely a great match um champa alistair black i had number two oh. then i had the women's match baszler and belair which was was good and then i had the war raiders and undisputed era and then i thought the matt riddle cassius ono match was very underwhelming and we've been really high in matt riddle on this program many many times but that match was just kind of blah for me kyle i have a very strong feeling on what was the weakest match on this show uh it was the main event by far i thought was the weakest match on the show i don't think it was close um and i think compared to most people i didn't have a clear pecking order among the first four i thought they were all kind of pretty close bunch together i think based on what you just said i liked riddle and ono better than you did um, I probably do not like Gargano Ricochet as much as other people did. You know, Meltzer, I saw, gave it four and three quarter stars. The Observer, that's too high. Um, it, it's, it's, I don't mean to be a dick, but I'm going to say this. Like, when, because, like, he's like, you, you know, unparalleled storytelling, unparalleled all this. <laughs> Isn't it fair? And, like, this is going to sound like a downgrade, and it's not because it was a good match. It was a really, it was a really good match. But, like, I watched that match, and I'm like, man, I feel like this is like watching a cruiserweight match from Thunder, but it just has a lot of heat now in terms of the move set and the way it's worked, where it's spot, like that super indie style. Mm-hmm. I know that's a real crowd pleaser uh, right now, um, and it's unique. You know, it was the only match that was worked like that, um, and I'll come back to my point on the main event in a second. But, um, yeah, I, I did not think that that was like, a match of the year candidate. Even those, I came across really impressed with Ricochet, actually, in that. Um, you know, as much as I like Johnny Gargano, but at the same time, part of the problem for me is I hate this story. I've brought this up so many times. I hate what they've done with Gargano's character mm-hmm. over the last nine months. I just don't think it's good, and um, it, may, it makes me kind of not anticipate his matches now just as much. But with that main event, the problem was with it. First four matches were all unique. I thought you had kind of the the opener kind of was worked in a Texas tornado style, old school, where it was just you know there weren't a lot of tags. It was just four guys going balls out. Uh, Riddle Ono was a fight. Loved the ref stoppage finish. That was unique. Gargano Ricochet. We talked about the super indie styles, a real crowd pleaser. And then you know Belair and Baser just kind of felt like a fight, which is good. The women often do better than the men these days. And by the time we got to that main event, A, it was too long, way too long. And it just didn't 
present anything unique that the first four didn't. So I, I thought it was by far the weakest match on the show and kind of a disturbing trend with these takeovers where these main events, they go too long, man, I think, and are often towards the weaker part of the show. It's, it's almost like the same people who were involved in 2003, 2004 Raw are involved with NXT. You know, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird. Are you getting that sense that those same people are involved there or what? <laughs> they are. Yes, they are. I'm, I'm shocked that, that I, you like the riddle match that much, honestly. Yeah, and I'm also shocked that you like the riddle match that much. Cassius Ono is not the worker that Chris Hero once was. He has yeah. not. Been, okay, you talk about a guy who hasn't been utilized right since he came out. I mean, God, this guy had just one of the great indie runs in 2016. And like, they kind of just, you know, brought him in and typecast him as, you know, as a put other guys over guy. Basically, his character going into that match is what he had been typecast at in reality. Yeah. You know, you're going to put over, you know, when we bring somebody new in and we're going to shoot them to the top of the card, they're going to beat you. <laughs> yeah. I, right. I, I I had Ricochet and Johnny at the top of my list for sure. And I think that anything that came after that was going to pale in comparison because that, that match for me had everything. Um, and I love that they let those guys work that NXT, that indie style that you're describing, Kyle. Because you won't, if those two guys fought at the Royal Rumble, you wouldn't see that same type of match. I love that they allow them to work that stiffer style, that faster style. Um, that Riddle Ono match was would be at the opposite end of the spectrum for me. I, I I just was not impressed with that match, and I haven't been impressed with with Cassius Ono since he came into NXT. I think that he's completely underutilized he's very talented and he's uh he just hasn't been had the chance to really showcase his skills i didn't think the title match was as bad as uh you're saying kyle i think it sets up an interesting story at the end of the show that's for sure although we haven't talked about it at all we have halftime heat halftime heat is back because of what happened at the end of nxt that's that is a hoot yes that's true we should see like an, an empty arena match remember that oh yeah yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm very much with uh, with you, Ryan. Where the other four uh, matches, I think, were you know they were great. Uh, or, or Kyle, you said that um, the War Raiders match was just fantastic, and uh, I, I just I'm excited to see you know all the matches on that card were very very good and arguably better than a lot of what we saw the next night. Yeah, I think NXT had the better show yet again, which you know, uh, probably no surprise at this point. You know, I got to man. I You don't think so, Kyle? No, it, it was better. I, I don't okay. think the gap was quite as big as some people think it is these days. To me, they're a lot closer. Survivor Series weekend, I thought Survivor Series was better than TakeOver War Games. Now, I, I did think Survivor Series weekend, there was a, yeah, there was an argument to be made. Because, sure. I did, again, I did not like that War Games match. Yeah, like if, if the WWE pay per views were the same length as NXT, I think we'd uh, we'd be enjoying them a lot more. But that mm -hmm. is seriously a big problem now that WWE needs to figure out these pay per views are way too long. Yeah, yeah, I I often try to convince my wife to watch these shows with me. She's not <laughs> she's not a wrestling fan, but sometimes I can get her to watch the women's matches with me. And when I told her Central Time that this show was going to like eleven o'clock, she's like, "You got to be kidding me! There's that <laughs> much time left on this show. Like, it's yeah. if you're just trying to get into wrestling and you think about three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, NXT, these long paper, like it's it is a big commitment to get mm -hmm. into these shows. 
So yeah. that is they they do need to condense it a lot. I think too. It, a lot of the issues that you know people complain about to be, I've always said it's macro mm-hmm. issues. You know, people want to make everything into micro issues. Specific, oh, about the you know Dean Ambrose. You know, certain things they do. It's macro issues, like Chris said. The length of the pay per views is an issue. Yeah, and, and you know, like you said, with that much TV, I mean, Raw. I, there are good Raws. I thought Raw was very actually pretty good last Monday, but. Um, a three-hour raw, man, just that consistently makes it hard to be good week after week. Yeah, yeah. no. When, when they moved it to three hours, I went, man, that's uh, two hours at that time. I mean, we're always as wrestling fans extremely critical. Uh, you know, at eleven oh five Eastern time when Raw ends, we all go, well, that sucked. And then you kind of think about it throughout the week, and you go, oh, I actually, yeah, this match wasn't so bad. Yeah, it's funny. Podcasts and have writing deadlines, and I think they're mad that they're staying up late. I think, <laughs> I think that really does kind of, you know, make people overly critical. Well, I th- or I think that you know it's the same thing with like when someone goes, oh, "I had a terrible day." Well, did you have a bad day or did you have a bad five minutes? And I think it's the same with mm-hmm. Raw. Like you have one or two bad matches, and it ruins the you know, the rest of the show. Or on the flip side, you can have one incredible match, and you go, "Oh, Raw was great this week." Like, you know, people think uh, they're very nostalgic about the Attitude Era. And there was a great, a lot of great stuff back then. But you also forget that, like, Naked Midian was running around back then. There's a lot <laughs> of garbage going on. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I will say I did enjoy Raw and SmackDown this week quite a bit. To me, one of the highlights was Daniel Bryan's new championship belt. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and that Joe promo, baby. Joe, this that's an interesting yeah. point. Because have, uh, he's a top five, he is easily a top five promo in that company. Oh, yeah. I he may be in the discussion for number one. Yeah, we're gonna have to get in this on a future show because we're running short on time here and I want to keep Chris all night. But uh, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about WrestleMania direction. We'll get into this in the weeks ahead. But uh, and we, we know Seth and Brock are gonna be wrestling for the universal title now. And so if Brian makes it out of the elimination chamber with the belt, you know, like where do they go for him at Mania? And it's like, man, Samoa Joe is right there, but they don't, Joe's, you know, technically kind of a heel, but he's almost like the cool heel now where people are going to start cheering him because he is so good on the mic. So I wonder if they would go that route just because Joe is kind of becoming the cool heel, like I said, but I don't, I don't know if you guys foresee any direction with Brian for WrestleMania. That's kind of my last topic for tonight, but that's something that I've had running through my mind a lot in the last couple of days. Where do they go with that SmackDown? championship uh match chris what are your thoughts well i was really hoping to see daniel bryan versus the miz uh and i was hoping to finally see that payoff here obviously now that he's the tag team champion with shane that's probably not going to happen and that'll be you know a match at mania i think shane and miz why i would see still being the champion at that time joe and bryan makes the most sense right now but it's still january right now so we've still got uh, a couple months i also can't see can you imagine if Joe wins the the title at Mania and he's standing on the top rope or posing in the middle of the ring with the sustainable title, like the hemp title? <laughs> it's just, you know, what kind of WrestleMania moment is that? Yeah. <laughs> or true. whoever. Whoever ends up, if someone beats Daniel Bryan, I can't see someone else holding up that title. <laughs> That's funny. Wins. 
Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> it's funny because uh, like on Twitter and stuff, everyone this week was talking about like, you got to make the replicas of that title. I want it because the belt's so cool. And the irony is that if they do make replicas of that title, it goes against everything <laughs> Brian's saying on TV. So then they could do something where he's like confiscating them at the merchandise stands or something every night. I, funny. Yeah, it would be pretty funny, but I love the belt. It actually looks really good. So uh, Kyle, what do you think about Brian's WrestleMania direction? I'll lean on what I said on last week's show, the idea I had with him and Cena. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they, if they, if they want to make it important, Cena's, you know, he's the guy, you know, because they obviously, well, there's fast lane, I guess. I was going to say, because I don't know how they're going to establish the contender. If Assuming Brian retains in the chamber, I don't know how you establish that contender. And Cena's a character, obviously, you don't really need to establish as a contender. You can just come up with a storyline, and the storyline's there with Total Bellas. Yeah. So I, I like that idea. Other than that, I don't know. I, I don't know what they do with it. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting discussion see, we're going to have. Never thought I would be saying this, but don't want to see more Brian V. AJ in a one-on-one scenario. Same. Not after the Rumble. No. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. Their first match, by the way, if people missed it, it was the one when Brian jobbed clean right before Crown Jewel. I hate mm-hmm. saying job like I'm like saying it in a bad way. Tap clean. <laughs> Uh, that was probably the best main roster match of 2018, by the way. It was on the SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I remember Meltzer was saying, you know, that he thought the TLC match was, and I, I disagree. I, I think every match has actually been a little bit worse. Hmm, interesting. I need to yeah. go back and watch that. I remember covering that match for comic book, but... Uh... The key is no tropes. Like, all the things that you expect from a WWE match, they didn't do them. There was not, they did not do one near fall in that match. Not one. Wow. I, I appreciate that stuff, oh. as you know. Interesting. Well, let's take it home, guys. It's been a good show, entertaining show. Chris, Great. thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Oh, man. Thank you, guys. Yeah, where can the uh, listeners find you? Get your uh, publicity out there for Oh, us. thank you. Yeah, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. It's just my name, Chris Van Vliet, uh, V-A-N-V-L-I-E-T. And uh, that is how you pronounce it, by the way. I'll, I'll hear these other... Some other podcasts will pick up clips from my interviews and call me Chris Van Vliet or Chris Van Violet or whatever you want to call me. Yeah, Chris. Oh, yeah. He's from Canada. It must be French. Uh, Chris Van Vliet. Um, So thank you guys for pronouncing it correctly. And thanks for hanging out. It's, you know, it's always great to talk with fellow wrestling fans. Oh, yeah, definitely. Hopefully we can get you on again in the future. It's a good, good conversation. I, I was going to say, you're not related to Fred Van Vliet, huh? I know one of Ryan's old rivals in the Missouri Valley oh, Conference. yeah, Wichita State Shockers. That's no, right. he spells it slightly differently. Oh, that's uh, right. He is a double E. He's a double E. Yeah, I wish, I, wish yeah. I was. Mine would be much easier to pronounce that. Yeah. yeah. I'm Mine's a Northern Iowa graduate, Chris, so the Wichita State oh. Shockers were my uh, our rivals here in college. My apologies. <laughs> yeah. So, Kyle, any any parting words i just can't wait to you know walk out of this room and find out you know what latest move aew has done to take over the rest of the world <laughs> yes you've never seen a wrestling company like this before uh, no Literally. i, I haven't you know. <laughs> yeah all right well guys thanks where the big boys in. play AEW, yes. baby. <laughs> they're gonna have to have a slogan like that or something we'll have to see what they come up with and that's a whole other thing. God, we didn't even talk about that. Shin, I see you doing it on the video down there. Shinsuke Nakamura. Do you see his tweet? WCW after SmackDown? 
<laughs> who knows, man? I don't know. This has been a crazy year in professional wrestling. And, and, and we're only one month in. That's right. All right. Well, you can find Kyle at TRP Kyle. I am at Historical Ryan on Twitter. Uh, the podcast is at Top Rope Nation, like I said at the beginning. If you can subscribe on YouTube, if you like the show, we would appreciate it. Subscribe on all the podcasting platforms. We're at TopRopeNation.com. And we will be back with episode 84 next week. Justin Joint, hopefully, will be feeling a little better. He'll be joining us again. We'll be talking about all the latest news in pro wrestling. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.